All right, welcome back to another EDU podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm Ty. And today we're going to talk about collaboration. So more importantly, what it is, how you can implement it, and some ideas just to get started. Uh, The dictionary says that collaboration is the action of working with someone to produce or create something. So I emphasize that last part, right? The purpose is to produce or make something, not just working together. Yeah, especially, you know, I think in any classroom environment, if your kids are creating something, there there would definitely be a a bigger um, kind of... Would be a goal? Goal, devotion from them. You know, creating something is always going to kind of fire off different parts of your brain that are just help you out with that one or help you remember things. But uh, what is not collaboration? So a lot of people assume it's just people working together. Right. Well, if you have two kids who are working, it's a lot of times we do this, right? We'll say yeah. you can work with a partner um, on this worksheet or you can work with a partner on this project or in a group. And just by adding another person, that doesn't qualify as collaboration. And I did hear um, a really good, uh, recently I heard a really good from a person, um, but he said you can do the collaboration test. And his collaboration test was if you have four kids working together, take one away. If the project gets done or whatever they're doing can get done, that's not collaboration. Because that one person, should their, their part in that should stop everyone else from completing theirs it should be they should be each doing a quarter of it say there's four kids they should be doing a quarter of the project a quarter of what they're doing i think of it like a a give and take relationship right so in order for it to qualify as uh, collaboration you have to have questioning each other you have to be able to communicate with each other uh in person or maybe from a distance um so it's it reminds me of this quote from John Spencer who wrote the uh, about the launch cycle and Empower. He says, with true collaboration, the group work no longer feels like work. And I love it whenever you're working with somebody, and it might be our job to do, but it's so fun and so rewarding because we're creating something that would have been so much better had we done it ourselves. I think there's I think there's a quote that's around there like many hands make light work or something like that. Okay, yeah. So you if you are doing something by yourself, yeah, it's a huge it feels like you're moving a mountain. But if you're trying to move a mountain and you have four or you have X amount of people with you that are working on it with you, it just makes it that much lighter, right? Absolutely. That's from a movie. <laughs> I found uh, I looked up some uh, famous collaborations and I ran across this article from Post It that they gave some right. inspiring examples of collaboration. And so you're gonna recognize some of these names, the Wright brothers. Right in the right, the yeah. right, yes. Uh, you've got John Lennon, Paul McCartney, their songwriting and the recording. Uh, two names that I wasn't as familiar with, but Larry Page and Sergey Brin—they're the ones who started experimenting with uh, search algorithms, and they eventually developed Google. Oh, okay. And um, yeah. and then there's another article that I found that gave us um, some things that we can learn from the partnerships. So you take the two Steves, uh, Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs. They didn't work together for uh, a very long time. It was actually only a few years. But they taught us that collaborations should begin with a shared interest and that each party should have something useful, useful to contribute it to. Yeah. It. it can't be one-sided. So in, in kind of in that whole the two Steves partnership, Wozniak was the brains of it. He, he, he developed the computer. He developed the code. He developed all that, whereas Jobs was more of the marketer. He came up a pretty, Apple. Sh- I'm pretty sure he came up with the name and everything, yeah. But he, they each of their 
you could not have had Apple without them two, those two together collaborating. Absolutely. And if anybody else had come along and put in their input, if they had added, you know, two other people for something in the beginning, I would assume, um, it might not have been the start of Apple. It might not have been what they thought it was today. Yeah. Another one uh, that I'm a fan of is Ben Cohen <laughs> and Jerry Greenfield. Uh, right? Ben and Jerry. That's they're the true. ones that they made ice cream better. Is ice cream better because of these two guys? I think so. I think so too. Yeah. And, and it showed how with the collaboration, um, each party involved should have a shared passion in what they're doing. So you can't have one person more interested uh, than the other. I don't know that that, that is going to make it quite as successful. So in order I mean, for something to be a collaboration, I would argue that um, the end goal or product would be better because of the work of the individuals. And I definitely think that identifying that goal early on is is critical. I mean, I've had, you know, I've started several little small businesses and my current, the last one that I had I was not as passionate about it as the other person was. Mm. And so it failed. But we didn't really identify a goal. It was just, hey, we're going to do this small business and maybe we'll make some money. And we did a little bit, but it didn't translate. And it wasn't, it wasn't in the end, it wasn't worth the time because I wasn't passionate about it. And I was, as soon, when it was time to call it quits or the other person was like, hey, I think we should quit this. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah, y'all are on the same page. I was on the same page. Then I was on the same page because I just wasn't (laughs) passionate about it. Um, But we're going to talk about, so for education, our beliefs and goals kind of surrounding collaboration. Uh, So we'll go through this. We believe through the integration of technology that students are empowered to connect and collaborate. Yeah, and so whenever we're talking about learners, um, what that looks like in the classroom is that they're using different tools Uh, where they're interacting with each other to create that product or um, even better to create a solution um, of a presented problem that's built from collective ideas, not just the idea of one, but the ideas of many. I really like the word tools. Notice in there, we did not say this app we did not say it, it doesn't matter what you're using. Everything is a tool for you in your classroom. Um, and as a lesson planner, you know, designer, I would encourage you if you are doing less. Yeah. Lesson plan design. I would encourage you to think about what your lesson is and what tools fit that lesson. Don't, don't have, oh, I want to use this tool. This is what my lesson is going to be to fit that tool. Right. Always start with that learning objective. Yeah, of course. And so for the teacher, um, it's our job to design lessons and provide opportunities for our learners to transform their products and ideas by working together. So if we're creating um, something or we have a product that we're working on by ourselves, that collaboration is going to allow us to transform that and make it better and make us look at it in a different way. And so that also is going to require us as teachers to create experiences where our kids can share ideas, not just with each other, not just with the rest of the class, but maybe they can share ideas outside of the classroom to a global population. And then we want to give kids the opportunity to take risks um, with those ideas. And I really think that the kind of the main point of a lot of that is we want our kids we want to foster collaboration among our students. Right? I want them to work together. As teachers, too, sometimes when we're on our own, we don't have all the answers. We don't know what we're doing. We don't know, not what we're doing. We always know what we're doing. But we don't know uh, maybe how to design a lesson or we need other input. So collaborating among your own peers is an, a great way to, to get started. Yeah, and, um, you know, we've brought up collaboration a lot um, with the people that I've worked with, and um, it begs the question, do you think the word collaboration scares people? 100%. 
absolutely. I, I think it does. I think it's, I think it is a little bit of a buzzword. I mean, it probably is. It is a buzzword right now, but I definitely think it is going to scare some people off, especially those people that uh, are used to what? Are the, what's the word? Those introverts, right? Those people yes. that are used to working. Whether you're a teacher or a student, both teacher, student, yeah, whatever, or yeah, you just are used to working inside your box or your kind of system of method. Uh, anytime that someone tries to challenge that, and not in a bad way, they're trying to challenge, you know, maybe a paradigm shift, maybe something, maybe they just want to create a different environment in that campus or that classroom or whatever. But yeah, it scares people for sure. You know, it's hard to collaborate with somebody who um, you don't have anything in common with or maybe you just don't know what you have in common with because you haven't built that relationship. Yeah. I think it's much easier to, um, it's, it feels safer to do that because if I'm collaborating with, um, say, a brand new teacher for the first time and I don't know, you know where they come from or you know, what their background is, it definitely is more challenging because you don't know um, how to maybe question and push those people forward. Um, and I would almost say that this is definitely not a concept that you're going to implement whole campus immediately. This is a concept or or whole workplace or whole classroom. This is a concept that uh, takes time. It definitely, it definitely. I mean, I think so. What do you think? I think uh, it yeah, time. absolutely. It, it's something, collaboration is something that you can't just dive right into. No. Uh, you have to practice it. And if you believe in collaboration, you believe it's beneficial for our students, our teachers, the human race, if it, whatever, the country, if you believe all of that, that's really the best, that's the first place to get started is so, to just do it yourself and maybe invite others to see what you're doing. So what was it like in your classroom? So obviously the first I think the first first year was just survival. I just trying to figure out a curriculum and everything. The second year, I started to really do more. The third year is really where I came alive with with collaboration. Um, so I personally, I piloted a collaborative classroom or such for my campus. Um, it was, we started out in the middle of the year. I would say the first four to six weeks were, even though some people might say, hey, that's a long period of time to really, we weren't really collaborating, but what we were doing was teaching our students how to, um, we we're building those skills with our students before we got started. Mm-hmm. So it was modeling how to talk to another person responsibly, you know, not, um, I know sometimes with kids, we, or sometimes kids, you know, kind of rely on emotion or they just say things without thinking, right? It was, you know, think before you speak. Uh, we we're modeling different technology concepts, how do you use the internet appropriately, how did we started out with it, they were, I had, they were straight rows, then they moved to groups of two, we did work with groups of two, then we did groups of three, and then eventually we got to groups of four, but it wasn't just, hey, you're sitting in a straight row, now you're in a group of four, because they couldn't handle that. Looking back, would you have rather started that at the beginning of the year? Because the middle of the year, that sounds pretty tough. Well, that, I, that was when we started, so the fourth year went a lot better, so I started that, so, and it's going to sound I don't know if it sounds funny or whatnot, but we started out in straight rows, and then after X amount of weeks, we went to groups of two, and then we we worked our way into groups of four. So when I got to the groups of four, it wasn't a huge a it wasn't a huge shift for my kids because they were already used to alone two three they were all used to those groups. But so essentially, what happens? I got my group, my kids in groups of four, and we would the first semester or so, I I would give them a little more information. Maybe, Hey, you might, you, you know, maybe use these tools. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe do this. They were just suggestions. Definitely maybe, scaffolding still. Yeah. Maybe you should do this. Not telling them, hey, use this tool and do it this way. Um, and then the second semester was really a free-for-all. There were a lot, this is going to sound funny, but there was a lot of times like my lesson for two or three days was one sentence. And it would just say, this is your goal. Um, it might be, I don't know, I'm going to make something up. Like demonstra- uh, you're, you're creating something to show life in space or space travel, you know, one of the sixth grade teaks or whatever, or it could be any grade, it doesn't matter, whatever the teak is. And that would be their goal. And so when I, they would create something around that. And in my head, I was, I don't care what they do. Whatever you do, if you want to bring stuff, if you want to, you know, whatever you want to do, that's what you have to create. And you're going to have those groups that are unimaginative, you know, that are like, oh, I'm going to do it on paper. You're going to have those groups that are super imaginative. I had a kid go to Hobby Lobby and buy a rocket, like buy a legit rocket you can blast off. He took all the explosives out, of course, and brought it to school with Hollow. But he bought it and brought it, and I was like, oh, that's pretty, uh, I didn't tell you you couldn't do that. How did you manage the groups? Did were they constantly changing or did kids find people they naturally worked well with? So we did change them like pretty every six weeks or so, um, just based off abilities. Sometimes it was, you know, a struggling kid and a kid, you know, kid who had the concepts down. Sometimes it was all kids that had the concept down in one group and I, the struggle, some of the struggling kids were in one group together. Um, but when you do that kind of where the struggling kids are all together, you have to spend a lot of time there. And that's what I would do. I would spend a ton of time with those tables, talking with them, working with them one-on-one. And I found that to be uh, actually a really cool method because the some of the struggling kids were not all over the room. They were right there in one spot, and I could really work with them one-on-one versus the kids who were more had it more, I don't want to say had it together, but they more were on, they had the concepts down. Right. They, I didn't really need to police them that much. They were pretty great, and they did their own thing, and they just kind of expanded on whatever I talked about. I think at the beginning of the year, that would be a prime time to, while you're getting to know your kids, kind of gather some information about them as to how they like to learn. Are they, uh, do they work well with others or would they rather work independently? Um, Because giving kids the choice, I think sometimes will um, maybe produce better work from them. One of the questions I always kind of asked myself was this, okay, say I did a collaborative lesson, right? Say it was a disaster. Let's just assume it went horrible. If they didn't really get the concepts down, you know, that's a bummer, whatever. Move on or reteach it myself, you know, do a direct teach piece. If they got a little bit better at working with others, where was the true win? Yeah, I, I definitely count that so as a win. If if my students are lear- have just grown a little bit in, hey, I can work with others. And in my head, I was thinking, okay, if you're a molecular biologist, yeah, cells is, you need to know all the cells. But my kids are not, I don't think they're very graduated high school yet, so I don't know where they're going. And they might be as molecular biologists, but if they know how to work in a workplace with other other people, I consider that a win. Yeah, that's definitely a valued skill um, in the workplace. Uh, My experience, uh, just last year, I was working with a group of educators who actually chose to focus on uh, collaboration for the whole entire year. And the original purpose in that was to increase student collaboration, so kids working together in classrooms. And we were not successful at all. Um, It was uh, pretty evident that our teachers weren't necessarily ready for that because um, 
Collaboration, I think, involves giving up a little bit of control in your classroom because it's turning that ownership over to the students. And I don't know that they were ready for that. But we did have a huge win because in that school year when that's what we were trying to do, um, even though we didn't see the fruits of our labor in the classroom, we saw it with the teachers themselves. So in their common planning times, they really learned how to work together with each other and really developed that give and take relationship and learned um, how to question one another and how to um, really plan and design uh, lessons together. And so I think now this year it's made those people, uh, they were ready to start planning um, more of those uh, collaborative pieces in the classroom. And and I would argue too that if something, if if you're doing collaboration or you're trying to get your kids working together, if it's a failure the first even the first semester, or they're just not working well with each other, that's fine. That's going to happen. You know, you're going to, you're not going to be successful at, at whatever you're doing immediately. Right. I mean, as a fir- I definitely as a first year teacher, there was a lot of successes and failures, and that's just how it goes. And you learn from them. So it's just something as you keep doing it, you refine it. Um, that I did it for that one semester, and I learned a lot about it. And then I revamped it for the fourth year, and it looked great. And then the fifth year, and so it just kept getting better. I think absolutely, yeah. For our kids, we have to model it. And what um, it makes me think of, you know, I was a teacher at one point where. Um, I didn't work well with others. I wanted to plan everything on my own um, because I knew I had it in my mind that if if I just did it, it was going to be exactly the way that I wanted. And um, I think my kids knew that. So who was I to turn around and ask the kids to collaborate with one another when I'm not even doing that myself? So as years went on, like you just said, and I opened up and I saw the value in working with others and those people challenging me and making me better, it definitely made it um, evident to my kids in the classroom that, you know, they knew the team that I was working with. They saw our our relationship and and we were a good example for them. Yeah. And I would also, you know, kind of point out that if... I found that with students of any age, if you level with them and tell them what you're doing, I feel like you get more buy-in or more feedback from them. If I would tell my, I told my kids, hey, we're going to try something new. This may not work, but you need to be, you need to have an open mind, be adaptable. And, you know, even, you know, even in kids going to the restroom, if they asked me to the restroom and I told them, hey, no, I would always give them a reason. No, not right now. We're doing this activity. This is important right now. You can go when we're done. And I found that I got more, I got better feedback and I got better, I don't think I got better response from my kids because I gave them a reason. Yeah, they see the why behind yeah, what they Yeah, the, the why, that's what it is, yeah. I mean, but how many adults are telling them, well, I mean, I don't know if adults are, but I don't know how many people in their life are explaining things to them. So I feel like they appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think as an as a employee or whatever, we, we definitely appreciate when people tell us the why, right? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. I, I can think of some high school classes that I've worked with and um, some students, you know, in the moment, they weren't really, you know, having what we were doing, weren't really into it. But after a quick conversation to kind of explain the effects and the benefits of what we were doing, um, you know, it made them, uh, they responded differently. They, they tried a little bit harder. 
Yeah. Uh, there's a, a book that I've read recently called Hacking Project-Based Learning. And um, project-based learning, to me, uh, in, it takes a lot of collaboration. Um, I don't really recommend um, individual product projects uh, and products as, as much. But, um, but in this book, they give uh, 10 hacks to, uh, to PBL. And the second hack was that teachers need to be teaching those collaboration skills. And um, the authors of this book base it on the idea that group work is not the same idea as collaboration, like we stated earlier. But we also can't expect them to be able to collaborate uh, effectively whenever they get to us. That's something that we have oh, to no. teach. Yeah. So, um, you know, what are some things that, that we can do? So um, for us teachers, the very next time that you collaborate with somebody, um, so like I, I know I, I have a planning this afternoon that I'll be going to, um, be mindful of what you're doing during that time, right? What behaviors are you exhibiting with that person? And then um, discuss those or share those with your students. So some of those things might be uh, what kind of discussions do you have? How are your discussion skills? What's your body language like? Uh, What about transitions? Do you cut people off or do you um, build off of what somebody says? Uh, How are you staying organized? And so those are all things that we can begin to teach and share with our students. I would almost say set a goal. Even if you, even, you know, uh, some people, I mean, I guess you might like, consider sometimes planning as like a monotonous, like a daily thing, right? not monotonous, mm-hmm. but a daily thing, right? Even set a goal for those daily plannings or, or weekly plannings, whatever. If you are setting goals the moment you get there, I mean, how much more focused uh, could you be? And I, I think that could translate to your students, right? If you had, if your goal is to get them to collaborate, you might set, they might try to set daily goals. Or weekly goals. What are my goals here? Um, do we know our students' goals? Are we asking them what their goals are? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and and share those stories with your students. So whenever you're working with other teachers and you're you know designing those lessons, talk to your students about how that what that process was like. Maybe get feedback from them on um, how you can make it better. Uh, it's I don't know. I think it's. Um, a pretty valuable thing to get a uh, student voice uh, heard. Yeah. And so some of the ways you can kind of get started, I guess, and if, say you're going to implement cl- collaboration. It's March right now. Say you're like, you know what, I'm going to start this next year. I want to really give it a good go. Uh, some of the different ways we talked about modeling for your students, right? Talk, have them teach them how to talk to one another. A lot of times our students don't know how to talk to their peers. Um, uh, in, they know socially how to talk to their peers. Yeah, socially, not academically. Not academically. Not academically, no. Um, teach them how to, and that's a good one, teach them how to do something with their with their peers and with a group in a group mindset or a group um, dynamic, right? Build strong discussions. Are, you know, and that's another thing I would argue, too. Are your kids um, discussing what you're learning? Are they talking about it? One tip that I have for whenever you have a group of people working together is to designate at least one person as the questioner, the question asker. So it could be somebody who um, you all trust and respect, and whenever they have a question, they can pose that question to the group, and it just keeps the conversation and keeps the discussion moving forward. Yeah, and uh, model, this is a big one with our students. Debate responsibly disagreeing. Yeah. Unlike their scene, unlike a lot of our 
students or people in general are seeing debates or stuff on social media, those are, some of those are not responsible debates, responsible disagreements. And there is a, definitely a difference within responsibly disagreeing with a peer or a colleague. And we're, you're not going to agree with everybody on everything. So it's responsibly being able to disagree. That's a great I mean, I think right now that's a slam. If you can get your kids responsibly disagree with each other, that's a slam dunk right there for anything. I would say we daily hear about public disagreements and debates gone wrong and people who don't know how to talk to one another. Um, I mean, you watch any news channel and they have disagreements. And it's it's interesting because these are people that are – they're collaborating, right? They're trying to give information to the public and sometimes they can't agree on something. Mm-hmm. And so how, what kind of message does that send to our parents, our our parents, our kids, everybody out there is that if these people are supposed to be the information, was the information givers or something? I don't know. Information givers to the, our country or our, whatever you're watching and they can't agree on something. How does that, you subconsciously sink that in, right? Yeah. It, you know, it's tough. Um, I was a, a history teacher and so um, with history, there comes politics, there, there comes um, tough things that we've endured in history, um, there's current events that we talk about. And so, but one of the most effective ways kids learned about these topics was through debate and through yeah. discussion. And it was very challenging at times because we have to remember our role as the teacher. We can't take a side. I don't think we should let students um, necessarily know what side we fall on. I think we have to be able to further the conversation for both sides of an argument um, and stay neutral. Impartial, yeah. And, yeah, stay impartial. Yeah, stay impartial. Um, and, and, I mean, yeah, it's, it's tough to do, but uh, it, it's very effective. Yeah, and if you have... Um these are all th- these are all things that if you are taking away from this, you can share with others. I mean, if you have a shared planning time, this is a this isn't that's an ideal experience to kind of um, experience collaboration firsthand. You know, um, and and kind of look at it uh, critically. Look at your time with others critically. What are you getting accomplished? And if you walk away from you know, it could be a planning session, anything. If you walk away and you're like. And you have to, and you can't quantify what did we get done? What did we do? What did we accomplish? What was our goal to begin with? If some of those things can't be quantified, or that might, might be a reflective piece where you think about, uh, am I using this time wisely? Yeah, for planning time, it makes me think that, you know, that's the one dedicated time, um, usually a day, sometimes um, not quite as often, but that you get to meet with those people face to face. So what really would be the most powerful use of your time? during that, right? It would be, I think, to have those discussions. So if if that is going to take away from maybe some of the other things that you have to do, that lesson planning and those other things, maybe that's something that we can look at doing um, maybe in a different way, right? Maybe we kind of do our homework as teachers and do our planning pieces ahead of time so that whenever we do get to the meeting face-to-face, now we're coming to the table with something that we've been working on and we're sharing it. And now that person that I'm meeting with, they can come and take it and they can make it better. Yeah, and even with your kids, I mean, too, if your kids are, are, if they're collaborating, if they're excited about something, you know immediately. And if if they have a goal in mind, I mean, I I just think what a... uh, I think collaboration in general, man, it just it has so many 
ins and outs that are so good for just life in general. I mean, that's just how, that's my personal belief. But I think goal setting, for example, I mean, there's a lot of students, adults, people in this world that don't know how to goal set. And having that ability, hey, we're going to set this goal, we're going to accomplish this goal, we're going to work with others. Those are all things that are going to benefit your your children, child, student, whatever, in um, 20 years from now, which is the, which is a larger impact on the workplace, society, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned you, you shared a, a resource that talked about teamwork in uh, teamwork in the workplace. Oh yeah, so and th- fifty years ago in nineteen seventy. Yeah, fifty years ago. So nineteen seventy, uh, Fortune four, four. I don't know when this was put out, but Fortune five hundred has its most valued skills, right? And in nineteen seventy, the top three number one was writing, number two was computation, and number three was reading. For nineteen seventy. To me, that sounds spot on. This is what we want from you. We want you to read, write, and we want you to just do a task, right? And teamwork was number 10 on the list. Yes. Goal setting is number nine. Teamwork is number 10, and problem solving is number 12. That, I'm glad I don't live in 1970. That's just... That's what I was... I was looking at this. I was like, I'm glad I live in 1970. So today... So I think this is 2015, but today, number one is teamwork. Teamwork. Let that sink in for a second. The number one valued skill in the workplace is teamwork. If you know how to work with others, it's almost like a superpower. Well, and number two on the list is problem solving. Problem solving. So I think that goes to show that it's probably not one person solving the problem. No, of course not. And honestly, I wouldn't. I don't want to be that one person solving problems. I mean, there's all kind. I mean, there's some. I can't think right now, but there's funny skits and stuff where I think it was a. Uh, I can't remember. It's like a movie or something. Anyway, he gives the guy a skill and he can't do it. I can't remember. Well, and then the third thing on the list of valued skills for today is interpersonal, those skills. And so it really, um, it takes work, I think, to work in a team, right? It takes practice. And that's what I hope that. It's teamwork. Yeah, I hope that we shared with you, like in a classroom, it's not something you can dive right into. It takes practice. It takes modeling. It takes um, failing. It takes uh, some learning experiences. And I really think your why is really going to play a big factor in that. Why, why do you want this for your students? I mean, you know, I, I personally believe wholeheartedly with everything that we need to be creating people, students, kids who are, are great at working with others and can have the ability to respectfully disagree, talk, debate. I mean, I think I. You know what? I think this is really great. I I was I was in some, I was in a meeting with Ty once, and somebody put out an idea, and I I think I went with it, and I was like, yeah, this is great. And she was like, just wait. And we waited, and it took us two hours. We tore this idea apart, but there was like eight of us that did this, and we molded it into something completely different through collaboration, and we were hearing everyone's work. We had a goal. We heard what everyone wanted. We questioned We questioned forward, and that was a huge learning experience for me because I was like, oh, yeah, that's great, and like it's instantly, just wait, stop, because I was writing stuff down. I was all <laughs> into it, and she was like, just wait, and it, we tore it apart, and it became something different through that collaborative process. And something process. better. Yeah, something better through that collaborative process, and that, I mean, that was a, is a huge life lesson for me, and even at, you know, I guess 30 years old, I'm still... Learning those lessons, right? Always learning. Always learning, right? Forever learning. Yeah. So we'll go back through. So types of teacher. We talk a lot about student collaboration. Uh, I really, I personally really think that collaboration starts at the teacher level. 
Okay. I mean, that's just what I think you can't. I mean, I think it's hard to implement something with your students where they have to work together if you're not working with other people. Right. Like personally. That, my example. Yeah. yeah, yeah your example just, earlier. So we wanted, I wanted to come up some different ways that you can collaborate with the people in directly on your campus immediately and kind of get, a, um, I don't know, like a feel for this. So one of them was like lead, observe, assist. It was one teacher presents new content while a co-lead or a co-teacher observes students and assists in any off task. So that's you two collaborating. I think it was a co-teacher model, right? Like you, if it's truly implemented how it's supposed to be, you have two people that are co-teaching an entire class and collaborating on creating that. So those are a couple of different ways. We're going to put, I'll, I'll have this link. I'll put it in the show notes that you guys can do. But one of them is teach and reteach. Uh, simultaneous teaching. I think that's co-teaching. I like uh, I, the relationship I had with my co-teacher um, in our eighth grade history class. It, w- it was great. I really appreciate John. Uh, the, it was definitely not one-sided. Um, we both learned how to um, share our ideas in front of our class. And I think our kids respected that because they knew that he and I didn't have a common planning time together. But whenever we were in class, we were able to bounce ideas off of each other. And so that simultaneous teaching, man, I, I love, those are the classes that I love most with my job is co-teaching with another person. And it's almost, um, we can say or talk to our kids all the time, but they're, they see and pick up more than, more than anything. If they see, you know, you and a teacher arguing, that's all, that's what they, it sticks in their head. If they see you working together, that sticks in their head. They know what to expect from that class, and they know what to. Uh, I think that I mean, you know, this. You have kids. They see and what's the word? Duplicate. They, they imitate. They imitate. You. Yeah, they imitate what what we're doing. So yeah. if we're modeling this stuff. Um, so those are a couple different strategies. We'll leave those in the show notes. Uh, one of the other things um, I found this interesting, which I'll try to put in the show notes. Michigan Department of Education. It says, I don't know what statistic this is, and if it's, I'm going to go on the basis that it's true. If it is true, it's incredible. If it's not, well, we all, it could be a perfect world. But it says the education, the Michigan Department of Education notes that 86% of, a, of Americans think uh, parental involvement is the number one way for schools to see improvements. Now, that is, the way I'm trying to present that is p- teachers are collaborating with teachers, but our schools definitely should be collaborating with our parents as well, making them um, aware of what their students are doing, modeling it for our parents. You know, are we inviting our parents in to experience this for themselves? And I guess the, as I'm trying to say, I'm saying it really badly. Well, I mean, is that the idea behind like a PTA, right? Parent teacher? No, I mean, like, I, I, or, or beyond that. I think you might even, you know, if your kids are, I guess looking back on my experience at collaboration classroom, I would say that. What if we designed a problem at our on one of those parent parent teacher nights or parents? What if we had our parents to solve a problem? Mm-hmm. What if they got a first? I mean, that's it's a big what if, but what if a lot? Not all of them because they you know people have jobs they don't show up. But what if the, a good portion showed up and they got to experience a problem, solving a problem, and creating a product in like an hour time span? Yeah. So I saw uh, actually one of our school's social media sites were hosting like a parent you parent university night. Yeah. Um. And and so and one of the. Uh, uh, admin members that I'm working with uh, really has some great ideas to get parents involved. What do parents need to know? And let them know that we would collectively like to address some of these issues and get their feedback on how to solve these problems. And, and the main reason I mentioned the whole the parents thing and, 
is is just this. Let's say let's say you're I don't know. Let's say you got a ten year old, right? You're thirty five. You got a ten year old. You I don't know. I'm just That's making, me. I'm making things up. Let's say your educational experience wasn't there was a lot very little collaboration in it. Okay, how are you as a parent? If nobody tries to show you what your students are going through, how do you help your students? That's true. Because the way we learned isn't necessarily the way our kids are learning. And what I, what I will challenge is: Are we doing a good job of, of if we're if we're doing if a campus is doing this thing collaboration or whatever? Are we doing a good job relaying that to the community? Are our business owners experiencing what collaboration is? Because collaboration at a local business is different than collaboration in classrooms, different than a bank, it's different at all these places. So are they, exp- and that's kind of, the, I guess that's where like my like out there, what if we could do this activity thing? I mean, I think it'd be cool to- Yeah, I love that. I think it'd be cool to invite parents in and hey, the experience, this is how your kids are learning, experience they would, it. De- that would definitely add value, I think, to the overall education of these kids. It could, yeah, for sure. So we're going to um, leave you with a couple keys to effective collaboration so you can get started. Um Definitely, we have, I think with six right here, so we have purpose. You need to have, a, if you're going to do collaboration, you have to have a purpose behind it. What is your purpose? And that is self-defining. That is something you have to define for yourself. What is your purpose? You also have to have each member of the team committed. It can't be one-sided or one person more in than the other. Yeah. You have to make sure that everybody who you're working with is committed to that end goal, to that purpose. And that gets a little easier when it's a small team. If it's just you, two or two people, that may be a little easier because it's just two people. But if it's four, five, six on, you know, some of these, some campuses are larger, some districts are larger, um, it definitely becomes uh, a problem, I mean, not a problem, but it becomes more challenging. You just have to work those out. Sure. However you guys can communicate. This is not a, I'm going to try this for two weeks and then we're going to stop. You're not going to see the results. It's time. It's time. Yeah, you're not going to see the re- and the second and the third one. Thank you, Ty. Is time. You are not going to see results um, really quickly. It's just not going to happen like that. So if you're expecting results quickly, I mean, I almost think kind of you're going to be let down. It, it takes practice. Yeah. Uh, communication. Communicating between your students, your peers, everyone around you. You have to have good communication. Tell them why you're doing this. Um, Explain what's the purpose, what you're going to get out of it. Uh, fifth one is admin support. That is definitely, I think you can do collaboration maybe without it, but that's, I think that's a big bonus. I think you can too. I don't think, especially with admin, it's not an us against them. No, right? not at all. It shouldn't be. that they're, We're all on the same team. Um, and so I think when you include uh, all parties uh, from all different levels uh, in that process, um, we'll be better for that. And I think, you know, I think this would be a situation where you, you know, you're not waiting for administration to come over to you and say, hey, I want you to do this thing. This, this is something you want to do. Take it to them. Take initiative. Spend time with them. I mean, if you sit down, if you sit down and explain to your administrator, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm going to be honest, from an administrator, I guess, standpoint, I just don't see anyone being like, no, we're not going to do that. Like, I would say like, yeah, that's a great try. Like, see if it works. It and could if, be. And it, part of that is... Um, whenever you do include them in on the conversation, I think that opens you up to the the last effective key point is that freedom, that freedom yeah. to explore. And so whenever you include everyone in on the conversation on the process of what you're trying to do, I think they would be more open to give you that freedom because they've been included in that. Yeah. So those are some, some strategies to kind of to end this episode and get you started. Um, if you... 
are doing collaboration, you're wanting to do it, you're curious about it, we really hope this helps. Until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Ty. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye.